0: The truck! You are
1: listening to What the Truck Are you ready to truck it? I'm Tuner here with Michael Vincent, the dude. Hey, happy second day of vacation. I mean, uh, Blitz Week.
2: Hey, I've been, um, so my wife came down with the Rona, so she's been isolated yeah. in the bedroom for like the past yeah. uh, four days, so I've been yeah. pulling double duty with the kids. Stop by the grocery store, right? Then I stopped by to get some gas, and I have a new rest stop product review for you. I've already tried it myself. I didn't like it that much, so one of our guests today suggested I give it to you. Here's a, here's a clip. I'm just gonna put this in my bag for, for tomorrow to make
1: sure, uh... Make sure Michael Vincent does little taste tests. I don't. <laughs> I didn't like the giggle in your voice there. To your future, dude.
2: <laughs> so everyone loves a, uh, a warm uh, Mountain Dew. I, got, I, I was going to bring these into the TV team, but one of, uh, one of our guests suggested that would be bad for my career. So here's the Mountain Dew Zero Sugar Major Melon. Warm, been sitting in my bag since yesterday. Let us know what you think. Um, what's the chances
1: this explodes all over the
2: place? I didn't shake it I promise you although you know I'll tell you when I my impression was that the flavors weren't mixed that well so maybe a little shake-up would uh, would no, do not, it wonders I, I
1: already, it's
2: pink it is pink it yeah it's pink are you like a nicer Dew drinker
1: it's got a good aroma yeah It's not awful. It's
2: not all right. Well, it's gonna, not
1: awful, but you're right. It is totally two separate flavors combined and uh, that that don't really quite mix. Yeah, but it's not ice cold. That's not awful. Okay, I'll bring the rest in for you then. No, I don't drink soda. Okay. I, so. All right. Well. But hey, for anybody who there does. You go. For it's people not who awful. don't
2: like soda, there you go. Get that Mountain Dew on. <laughs> By the way, we got a real quick story to get to. Uh, show this picture <laughs> up real quick. A trucker lost his dog. We want to help him out a little bit here. Fox 19 reports a Florida truck driver stopped to make a delivery in Woodlawn recently. When he got back to his truck, though... His dog was gone. It happened Wednesday, May 5th, as Pedro Jose Reyes II was making a delivery at a business on Rena Terrence Road. Lola Pup has been missing for over three weeks now. Uh, The driver says, I really really miss my dog. She was my best friend. Uh, I just want my Lola back. She, you know... Nobody knows her like I do. So, And the problem here is he's a Florida truck driver. This, this dog was lost in Cincinnati. Yeah. He's got his number off. If you see it, 614-377-1777. Help this guy out. If you see Lola running around, the truck stops or your backyard. There's somebody out there looking for this dog.
1: Come on, fellow Buckeye staters. Get, it, get this dog back to the owner, man. That would suck, dude. I feel for him. Uh, yeah, get Lola back. Come on.
2: Big show today. We're uh, we're going around the horn with Flex Ports and Nathan Strang talking uh, about the Port of Baltimore, Ports and Ocean. We got River City Logistics Nick Lester on the uh, wild world of Vegas pool parties and the domestic <laughs> supply chain issues. Sage News shares his unique approach to YouTube. BackTheTruckUp.com's Rooster and Justin Martin wrangle the social news of what's been going on this week But after we tip the band, we'll bring on our first guest. Let's get to it. Net zero emissions by 2035. That's the headline from AIT Worldwide Logistics Sustainability Report. But just one aspect of their overall commitment to corporate social responsibility, whether it's protecting the planet, nurturing the communities where we live and work, or ensuring high-quality business continuity, AIT is taking action today to deliver a better tomorrow. Learn more at AITWorldwide.com.
1: I didn't get my read, man.
2: Yeah, you know, oh, I oh, was telling you to tell them where to go. You have yeah, yeah. one later in the show. Don't get greedy. All right. All right. Rachel Premack, editorial director at Freight Waves, is here with us now. She survived the future of supply chain. That doesn't always happen. Last time she was at one of our events, though, she was, uh, she was being interviewed by Craig Fuller and, like, a bunch of Krispy Kreme donuts just, like, invaded the, uh, the corridor.
1: Oh, is that, oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah, with Donut Boy. Remember that, dude? We <laughs> yeah, him the van? That's exactly right.
2: All right. Well, van, Rachel's yeah. here. Rachel, thanks for coming on the show.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me on. By the way, Michael, I got a question for you. You said soda. I thought you were a Midwesterner. Uh, uh, well, That's yeah,
1: suspicious. but I've i have been, I've, I've been gone. <laughs> it is suspicious, but I've been in the South since '98, so.
3: Hmm. Okay, it is you're okay. right it is
1: pop it is not the worst pop i've ever had in my life sorry about that. oh are you both poppy is that a yeah I midwesterners mean, say pop uh yeah. we don't say soda but i've been down here long enough that it, it kind of creeped into my vocabulary sorry about that oh, i apologize Rachel,
2: you're right you're a metropolitan girl you don't get out to arkansas often what were your impressions at the future of supply chain how'd you enjoy the event
3: it was great. I mean, it was my first time in Arkansas. Um, I don't go to the South very often, but that's definitely been changing with uh, this new job at Freight Waves. I thought the city itself was really nice, just like a nice kind of suburban, uh, good weather. I thought the event itself was really great. It was so fun meeting a bunch of people who I've really only you know, met on Twitter or met on Slack or what have you. And it was really fun watching, you know, other people meet in person for the first time after being each other's like Twitter DMs for uh, the last two years. Um, but yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a good time.
1: Yeah, I thought it was tremendous too. I can't, uh, The energy was amazing, was it not? I mean, when I yeah. saw people there, it was like, hey, let's get together after the for, for drinks or whatever. It was like, heck yeah, we're going to do this. Not the kind of obligatory, yeah, yeah. maybe well, we'll get together. Rachel, right. what was your biggest takeaway from the event?
3: My biggest takeaway, that's a good question. It seems like people are definitely, actually, my biggest takeaway, I would say people are kind of coming around to this idea that the really volatile ups and downs of trucking and transportation in general is really tiring and people just want to have, you know, a steady contract. Not this crazy up and down that we see in the spot market, and I think that you know it makes sense that shippers want uh you know a more steady kind of uh spot rate market, you know considering that they definitely have been spending a lot on trucking these past few years, and it makes sense that carriers also want to adjust to a more steady contract rate because now the spot market is working against them, so that was definitely my biggest takeaway just that. People are getting really
2: sick of volatility, basically. Well, it's tough s for them because there's more of it coming. We're running out of diesel yeah. on the Northeast. So look, if you're not ready to get some lumps on your head, get out of the business because things are about to get put on legendary difficulty mode. We're talking about in New York diesel that's over seven dollars a gallon. Rachel, what the hell is going on and why is this not like a bigger deal with the White House? I know because it's not good for poll numbers, but this is a huge issue facing the nation right now. Wake up.
3: Right, right. So it's one of those issues that we've seen with COVID that, you know, it it was getting worse and worse in the background for however many years or however many decades. People weren't really taking notice of it because it wasn't, you know, a huge issue. But then as soon as COVID hit, as soon as these larger global economic or global macro events happened, suddenly we're seeing how bad the foundation was uh, for all of this. And specifically with diesel, for the past, uh, 15 years, the East Coast has lost half of its refinery power. Um, so really, we're we're getting most of our refined uh, fuel products from uh, not not from local refineries, but from uh, the we're getting most of it from from the Colonial Pipeline, which brings diesel and other sort of fuel products from Texas and the Southeast up to where up to where we are or where I am at least. Um, So, you know, because of that, we just don't have the same access to to fuel products that we used to, you know, 15, 20, 30 years ago. And then on top of that, with the issues uh, going on in Ukraine and Russia, uh, the Gulf Coast is exporting more fuel products to Latin America, to Europe, to these other places where they're trying to wean off of Russian fuel. And more of those fuel products are going outside the U.S. than within the U.S., or there's an increasing number going to Europe and Latin America than an increasing number going to the Northeast. So that's that's kind of the three big causes, lack of refineries, the fact that we're mostly getting our fuel from the colonial pipeline, which uh, traders don't always love to use because it's, it is a slow process, and the Russia-Ukraine COVID uh, kind of macro effects.
1: Yeah, I thought it was interesting that one of the big ones in there that we really haven't discussed is the financial aspect of it. You mentioned it with the Colonial Pipeline. We don't need yeah. to get into backwardization, but it's just not it, it's it's right. It's a little difficult to explain, but the backwardization really causes that issue that it's not, just not financially attractive to bring it up north through the through the pipeline.
3: Yeah, the simplest way to put it is that you could be, let's say, you're a commodity trader in in Houston. You're thinking, okay. I could sell this on the spot market for, I'm just going to make up a random number. I could sell this on the spot market for $6 a gallon, but by the time it gets all the way up to the Northeast, it might be now down to $3 a gallon. Yeah. So people are taking big risks because it takes, uh, I'm trying to look up the exact number of how I think long it's, it takes, I think it was 18 days, think,
1: Rachel, something like that, 18
4: days. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. so... In 18 days, the the price of the fuel could completely change. So it doesn't. It's not economically buy bi- or as one uh, fuel expert told me, it's it's incredibly dangerous to even make that trade because you have no idea what the what the price you're selling it for is.
2: Yeah, I mean, this has to have a lot of people losing patience, though, especially when you mention overseas conflicts, right? And I know that that is a big deal, but when people are looking at the price of gas and the price of diesel and they're looking at inflation and also just everything else that seems to be going on in this country. Uh, we want to see some focus on it. You know, and we were talking about formula, right, Michael Vincent? Yeah. Uh, last show, we were sure. talking about that. And one of the one of the shocking things about it is the government has known about this problem for a while, and the plant was shut down in February. But, like, what's being done about it? What's being done about
3: diesel? I mean, it, it definitely seems like it's time for some government body or some sort of, like, larger body to step in and say, okay, I know you guys are making more money selling this diesel and these other fuel products to outside of the U.S., but um, we have an issue in the U.S. right now. Uh, So it's definitely time for someone or something to step in in order to curb these inflationary pressures because the Northeast is a major part, is a major facet of the supply chain of manufacturing. If uh, transportation costs get too high here, it, it does have a major effect on how the rest of the country operates.
1: Yeah. I wonder how much of it is, is there's that need to keep uh, NATO and allies strong with that type of stuff. Let's move on to, to blitz week a little bit. Talk about the strategy behind this. Is it just a way to harass uh, truck drivers or, or what are we talking about here?
3: Yeah. Yeah. So international road check week is happening right now It ends tomorrow, the 19th, a Thursday. And it's, It's definitely a good way to, you know, make sure that vehicles are up to code, are safe. Uh, Something that, you know, I don't think a lot of people really discuss. A lot of truck, a lot of fatal major trucking accidents aren't caused by drugs or drinking or texting while driving. Uh, They're caused by brake issues, which is not the most, you know, Mm. fun or it's not the most like, Sexy and dramatic kind of cause of these sorts of things, but brake issues, 29% of all fatal of all major trucking accidents are caused by brake issues. So making sure that a truck is up to code is important for overall safety.
2: But yeah, when you're trying to stop 80,000 pounds, good brakes are uh, a good idea. So what is the most, what (laughs) is the ingenious strategy behind most truck drivers least favorite week of the year?
3: Right. So Typically, if you're thinking, okay, if I am going to inspect trucks, if I'm going to have some sort of, um, if I'm going to try to make sure things are up to code, usually you don't announce, hey, by the way, we're going to be doing this major check. Normally, you'd want it to be more of a, quote, surprise check. You'd want people to not you know not really have time to prepare because ideally everyone is always up to code at all times but what uh andrew Balthrop and um and alex scott university of tennessee and university of arkansas what they found is that when you say hey you guys need to prepare for this major inspection week uh people take the time they go out they get inspected and uh you know obviously plenty of people also just stop driving and they don't Tune their trucks up at all, but overall, they found that there's a 1.8 percent reduction of vehicle violations the month before and after the inspection period. Not a crazy number, I'll admit, but you know, even if there are a couple hundred more than a thousand um, vehicle issues that are addressed, that could prevent that could prevent major accidents. That could prevent uh, loss of life, injuries. Uh, so I think even though this is not a particularly popular uh, kind of facet of our safety of our safety rules, it is something that at least this research discovered is important to to overall road safety.
2: Well, if drivers are seeing it, I'm not seeing it in the rates. Some of the rates people have been sharing with me this week have been uh, really, really not good at all. So. Still low. Yeah, yeah, so rejections
1: I'm, have not come down or, or gone up either over this week.
2: I know, and you would think a lot you would think a lot of drivers would be sitting due to the, the diesel what, and the they, road. They trip could week.
1: be, but it's a lot their volume was so high that we just it just doesn't make the bump, right? It doesn't make
2: a difference because yeah. we had all that extra capacity. That's right. No, right. Rachel, let's say uh it's prom day, right? It's prom night. It's prom night. Let's go back in time a little bit. Let's go back uh, about three years to when you were 18 years old. No, I'm nice. Not sure. I'm not sure. Listen, <laughs> yeah. It's probably Lancy Reed, you're in Kentucky, you go to high school in Kentucky, and Lancy Reed shows up with a semi truck to bring you to the prom are you getting in the semi-truck or are you making him come back in a limo
3: i would say uh, okay so i actually did not go to prom um i don't know a semi-truck would be more fun i yeah. think that would be more fun um yeah i picked that over limo you can go to limo any day that's not any day that you get to go in a semi-truck but uh, I know. I know you guys have caused a bit of a stir in that community, but I think it's cool to see uh, to see that happen.
2: Well, okay, so we are gonna spin that, but I'm gonna go dealer's choice anyway because I got a stupid question. <laughs> oh, to, 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 to
5: <laughs> do it, Just it. Just spin it.
2: You gotta do a ceremonial spin. Uh, Just ceremonial oh, that, spin. It's bad luck, do. Bro. Okay, <laughs> if you could, if you could go to the prom in any vehicle whatsoever, what would it be? What would be your dream vehicle to go to prom in?
3: Ah. <sighs> That's a good question. Maybe a helicopter would be really cool. <sighs> you know, it can't really be bad.
2: I didn't even consider air. though. That'd be cool. Whatever happened to those Uber helicopters? Yeah, yeah. Gotta, air. Air.
3: gotta consider pipelines. You gotta you consider, you know, underground, above ground. What about that flying
1: bike? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, that would be a good the two-person one. The two person
5: well, flying really bike
2: work, though, and it's really loud.
3: I think that could really mess up your hair or outfit in some way. That's yeah, I consider that. You
2: have to consider that. Your cursage will have all the pedals blown off of it. <laughs> That's All true. right, Rachel, your that time is has been great today. Thank you so much for coming on. People want to read your articles. Go to freightwaves.com and look up Rachel Premack. Thank you for coming on today.
3: Thanks,
1: guys. Scrap the bike. I'm not doing the flying bike.
2: Hey, we're going to, uh, real quick, I just want to introduce you to this gentleman's oh, yeah. channel. Let's play a little clip to introduce him. We'll bring him up. He'll tell you what he does, and you can check him out after the show. So play this clip. my
3: hand, but eyes. I walk through the water for a This is Motion, and you're listening to Sage on Sage News Live.
2: Yeah, it's Mr. Sage News himself from Sage News Live on YouTube. He's built a freight channel there, bringing freight down to Earth to more than uh, 16,000 subscribers. So, Sage, thanks for coming on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, introduce yourself. I I like what you got going on behind you there.
6: Yeah, we had we had some te- technical difficulties, we got that all set up and good. So basically, um my name's Eric but I go by Sage. So basically I'm a freight broker. Uh, I, I specialize in overdimensional freight and I started out driving tractor trailer when I was 21 years old back when the, you know trucks didn't have noses. So we started there and I went into local and then um joined the Coast Guard, left the Coast Guard, went back into trucking cuz you can't get out of trucking once you're in that just I don't know what It's just the way it is um and then uh became a freight agent um for uh, for landstar and in 2008 um crash and burn and i ended up having to make a decision and either pick the truck or pick the agency and, and i stuck it out with the agency um 2012 opened up my own brokerage where i specialize in, in over-dimensional freight and moved on and i'm still doing that today had a carrier and, and everything and then started my youtube channel right and because uh, in when COVID hit a lot of drivers just didn't understand what happened in, you know, with the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain there. So for me to be able to get say, OK, look, as a broker, as a carrier, as a driver, you know, seeing every aspect of that, um, I was came out and just said, let me kind of explain to you what's going on and, and how this all works. And I was hoping, you know, helping a lot of drivers get through a lot of that, you know, the problems that uh, were happening during then and then just kept growing and growing. Turned the channel into basically a news channel because there's a lot. And when it comes to logistics, um, you see things from a different point of view, right? So I always tell drivers, like they're looking at it through the view of their windshield, where logistics people, brokerage, you know, we kind of look at it from that top down view. And it opens up their eyes to a lot of other options and a lot of other thoughts on how freight actually moves. Um, it's one of the largest industries in the world, if not the largest. And there's a lot of different moving parts. And sometimes drivers don't know where they play in that part and they don't know where to go from sure. here. So, yeah, we I got of- it.
2: I mean we, cover, I mean, we cover logistics, too. So we don't we don't we, don't, we, don't, we know the back end of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And there are a lot of moving parts. And, and through that pandemic, there were a lot of things. And, and like you said, you were talking to him explain that stuff. Yeah. Now we're moving on to another chapter in in freight and logistics. What do you think are the biggest crisis or the biggest crisis in North American supply chains that we're facing this year now as we come out of the pandemic?
6: Well, I, I it's a lot like I think the ups and downs like can, uh, freight really needs to be consistent. And when you have these ups and downs, there's just these peaks and valleys cause a lot of disruptions in that supply chain. Right. Uh, drivers jump in and then next thing it dives down and then drivers are figuring out, oh, what do I do now? So I think a lot of the stuff that's going on now is that lack of consistency is playing a dangerous game with, with freight as it is. It's. It's just, you know, destroying what people think is that, you know, the norm. And when drivers jump in, we get high trucks. And when, then when the next thing you know, we have a bloodbath like you guys talk about. And it, we have not enough drivers. So I think that's a big role that's affecting um, logistics as it is. And then you're talking about shortages here and shortages there. And then truck parts and everything else that has all been thrown at us at once. And that's definitely doing some chaos in the industry right now.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I gotta agree. I think a lot of those headwinds turn into some of those bankruptcies. We're already seeing them roll, roll through, uh, unfortunately. But I mean, that, you put your ear to the train tracks, that's what's happening. And, you know, we were talking about this a few months ago. Now it's finally showing up in these earnings calls and everything. And we were first yeah. talking about it. People thought we were like crazy. No, I looked at the earnings, and it's like, well, you looked at numbers from like three months ago. Yeah, they're right. We're talking about what's from happening right now. <laughs> right. You want the telltale right. sign of what's happening in the economy? You need to know what's happening in the freight market you need to watch shows like what the truck and shows like sage news Amen. sage people who want to subscribe to your channel where do we send them to
6: yeah just check out uh youtube go to the sage news live and you can find me right there i'll be you know, i'll pop right up
2: now we got to ask you it. so you're going to the prom what are you picking your date up in all right
6: so i'm going to have to go with the blues mobile I mean, oh. if you can't do it with the Bluesmobile, then I, I don't know what to tell you, right? Cop that's, tires, that's cop
1: engine, stuff. cop suspension, cop everything, right? Cop everything. Yeah. Well, Sage, keep informing everybody. We'll get you back on soon,
2: too. I know you had a little technical difficulties today. We got to get to our next guest, but we will have yeah. you back on the future. Love what you're doing with the channel. People go check out Sage News over there. And while you're by there, check out Back the Truck Up, uh, our new channel over there, and subscribe to that as well. Right on. Thank you for coming on today, sir.
1: Hey,
7: hey Sage.
2: All right, man, let's go. It's getting nice out. It's getting warm out. Let's go put, uh, you know, let's go put our swimsuits on and hang out by a Vegas pool. I brought my Speedo with me. And talk to Vegas (laughs) pool expert Nick Lester. He's also director of operations over at River City Logistics. But I want to talk to him about his backstory first. It's really cool. Nick, thanks for coming on the show. How
7: are we doing, fellas? Nick, I was looking at
2: this. It looked like you ran the pools down in Vegas for a couple years over there. It sounds like wild times. Was it? uh, Was it as crazy as it as it reads?
7: Yeah, I've uh, I've got enough stories to to probably write a book. Honestly, Uh, you know, I started out as a lifeguard at sixteen. The very first day that I worked uh, on the strip, Um, somebody immediately took you know, their full bathing suit off and just threw it right into the pool. So, um, you know, right out of the shoot, that was pretty crazy, but yeah, we, 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 I, I seen a lot of stuff, I guess we'll, we'll leave it there.
1: Yeah. So, well, we're not going to leave it there
7: Yeah. <laughs> Nick, What's protocol when someone throws up in a pool.
1: Yeah. What do you, what do you do?
7: <laughs> yeah. That's probably my least favorite time. Uh, just because <laughs> from, you know, the management perspective, that's a gigantic revenue loss, um, uh, because, you know, you got to clear everybody out. Uh, you know, an engineer has to come, they have to fish out all the, the, the puke. And then, uh, <laughs> from there, they got to shock it. They got to wait. You get a lot of uh, people who are leave. you know, a lot of guests leave at that point. So, uh, you know, that's a revenue killer for the day for sure.
1: I'm sure it is. You know, I was like, why would you ever leave a gig like that? And Duner's like, well, just think about just how bad that gig actually was. So is is it like people 24 seven? Yeah. 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 (laughs) Was it just like, Hey, this is going to be awesome. And then after a while you're like, man, this is like the worst thing I've ever done.
7: No, I mean, don't get me wrong. It was, it was awesome. Uh, You know, you can't really complain about uh, a pool and, you know, getting to work outside in the sun. Um, But you know, Working in hospitality, uh, yeah. just the same, you know, working with servers, you're working with a lot of different personalities, but more than that, you know, you're working with a lot of guests who uh, sometimes feel very entitled, things like that, um, and that just kind of wears on you. But more than that, you know, more than the reason why I really got out of it uh, was more of the opportunity that was here, um, but as well, you know, COVID really, really uh, forced a lot of these casinos and hotels to slash their yeah. budgets. Um, I was actually recruited up to up here in Reno where I went to school. So I um, moved my family back here and then COVID, unfortunately, uh, kind of cut me out of that. So, you know, and then obviously this this opportunity presented itself, which uh, a blessing in disguise for sure. Well, you know,
2: cool. we want to highlight something here. Well, like let's yeah, introduce let's to logistics is something really cool you recently did. Let's take a couple. Let's take a look at a couple of pictures here. It says RCL loves teachers. This was a post on your LinkedIn. Tell us what you guys did over at this uh, elementary school.
7: Yeah, so last week it was, uh, it was teacher appreciation week and that's a national week. Um, you know, I, my wife is a teacher, uh, and she says, you know any, any, uh, industry that has an appreciation week, you probably don't get paid enough. And I agree with that a hundred percent, but you know, if there's anything we can possibly do for education. That's really, really near and dear to every single one of us here. Um, anything we can possibly do we're we're going to do it. So it was nice to be able to take care of those teachers with the lunch for the day. Um, and then in, uh, unison with that, we actually also funded the, uh, fifth grade annual trip. Um, this is a, it's a title one school. So a little less funding, a little bit lower income area. Uh, we funded a trip for them and they're actually, there right now my wife's there um, they're up in Lake Tahoe for an entire week and those kids are learning about you know ecosystems and astrology uh, and different things like that and I asked my wife I was like you know how many of these kids are, are from Tahoe you know have been to Tahoe or anything like that because it's 30 minutes away it's not that far um, and she told me that you know basically every single student uh, was has never been there before so we took care of the buses for that we took care of a little bit of the payments so none of the students had to pay out of pocket or anything like that
1: yeah, it's really cool to have them uh, go and, and be able to explain uh, to uh, experience that. I'm sorry about that, but uh, there's that motivation factor, right? That you that you've written about that motivation factor of kids staying in school so they can get to that grade to get to that. What is it called? The GBOS, right?
7: Yep, the GBOS. Um, I'm not sure if I'm having if that's technical difficulty on my side. I'm sorry. No, you're is. fine. Uh, but we're you know. Okay. Yeah. A lot of these, these students, uh, you know, they made it a big thing. This is the first year they've ever done it, um, for this school. And so they are, you know, they they did a huge thing where everybody from the entire school came out, they waved, uh, you know, to all the students, sent them off, um, and really created this culture where now every kid wants to get to fifth grade so they can go on this, uh, adventure. They can go on this week long. And, you know, my wife's sending in pictures. I'm wildly jealous because like, their beachfront property, like you know, they can see the 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 lake, you know, right from their uh, from from their cabin. So it's it's a really cool thing, and we're we're very very fortunate that we're in a position to be able to support something like that.
2: Well, Nick, when you're not enriching the next generation minds of supply chain, what are you solving this year? What's the biggest issue on your desk in May? What has just been making you pull your hair out?
7: Uh, right now, uh, honestly, a lot of it is just being able to continue to keep up with, with growth with what we're doing. Um, you know, I'm sure you guys, uh, have done a little bit of studying on what we've done, but, you know, Chris Brewer, our CEO, um, along with, with, you know, one other employee, Daniel Castile, uh, who's still here and, and then eventually brought on Josh Greenbaum. Um, those are the guys who, you know, they were working in 2018 out of a spare bedroom out of, uh, you know. They they were working out of daughters nurseries, doing six hundred thousand dollars in in revenue for an entire year. Um, since then, we've we've gone about forty two hundred percent since since uh, 2018. We're we're up now, to well, Nick. That's cool.
2: Let me rephrase the question. What do you yeah, think yeah. the biggest issue your clients are dealing with that's making them pull their hair <laughs> out?
7: I think a lot of it is probably just, you know, dealing with the people that are knocking on their doors, the people that are, you know, how many people are coming back into this. Um, so I think the biggest thing for us is to continue strengthening those relationships with our customers, because, you know, this is kind of a point where the customer now can can is no longer just saying, hey, I need capacity. Now they're saying, hey, I need capacity. I need somebody who's going to be able to track this thing. I need somebody who's going to know where my freight is at all times. And I need somebody who's going to answer that phone when I call them.
1: Yeah, they're looking for that value add. As far as the industry is concerned, what's your outlook for uh, the rest of rest of this year for the industry?
7: You know, in terms of the total overall industry, you guys were, you know, the first people to call it out at oh, FreightWaves, yourself, you know, you guys had had brought it up as well. But I think the big thing for me is that we're not really feeling a massive crunch that that everybody else is. But I think the biggest thing is, you know, that that balancing of, of the, uh, you know, the carrier capacity market, because, you know, as, as you guys have been talking about for a long time, they, they were severely over leveraged. It was an oversaturated market. Um, so, you know, I think continuing to build the relationships from the brokerage side and treat carriers fairly is going to be a massively important thing. Um, and then, you know, supply chain issues are going to continue to exist. And, uh, you know, one of the smaller things I think about um, that I think is personally, you know, it's affecting us from one, one area is, You know, parts, truck parts. Uh, There's a lot of carriers that are running very, very, you know, lack of preventative maintenance, lack of anything because they know their trucks are going to be down. So um, I think, you know, I could potentially see that causing issues down the line and affecting capacity.
2: No, yeah, we, we definitely could, too. Imagine going to school to be an engineer and the next thing you know, you're cleaning puke out of a pool. I don't
1: know. I just want to know if anybody no, okay, pulled a squints okay. pompadour. Do you think anybody's cold, did anybody pull a squints pompadour on you and like fake a drowning to get you to come over and give him out the mouth? Oh ooh.
7: no, no. So <laughs> I uh, so I started out at a pool that was um, part of the Caesar's properties that was for like older people, things like that. But it ended oh. up turning into just a party pool. Um, when I was on the manager side, I was at Planet Hollywood. And the the older where, people like, pool turned into a party pool. That's, that's what happened. Yeah, because it was just it was just cheap rooms, you know. So like oh. the old people want cheap rooms because yep. that's what they've always expected. The young people say, "Hey, cheap rooms, so we're gonna stay there." Oh, the old uh, people weren't partying though. Okay,
2: I thought like the old people like yeah, out cheap rooms. Let's just get
7: people. wasted. Yeah, yeah all yeah. day. It's right? that <laughs>
1: slippery slope, man. Cheap yes. room. Next thing you know, you got pool parties and puking the exactly. pool. Exactly. Seen I it a million times. It's
2: happened way too many
7: times. Now, <laughs> so if you could show up at the prom in any vehicle, what would it be, Nick? Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot since, you know, watching these previous interviews. And, you know, I'm about as millennial as it gets. So it's probably going to be like a Tesla Roadster because I'm trying okay. to show off that. Screen. All right.
2: All right. I Very mean, the real cool. answer is the bat wing because then you can take, you know, your date up to the moon and you you put the bat wing against it up in the sky. and.
1: Yeah.
7: All right. That's see, not right? bad. Yeah. Bat, yeah. Like, I God. like I it.
2: it. I like well, it. People want to reach out to River City Logistics. Where do we send them to?
7: Yeah, we're on LinkedIn. We're on Instagram, Facebook. uh all of them just River City Logistics uh, Inc. Um, and that's where you can find us, all the content we're putting out. Cool. Thanks for coming on, sir. Appreciate your time. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Lifeguard. All
2: right. You're, <laughs> let's see here. We got to read before we get to Nathan, don't we? We have one uh, more. Your, yeah, customers, we got one. Yeah. your customers and investors want to know that your company is serious about sustainability. Show them the depth of your commitment when you rely on AIT. Worldwide logistics for your freight forwarding needs. From scope 3 carbon footprint reporting to calculating emissions at the transaction level, partnering with AIT sends a clear message to stakeholders. You mean business when it comes to sustainability. Learn more at, here you go, tell them, dude. Hey,
1: go to AITWorldwide.com. Thank you. I there get you very few places. I know you got life.
2: defensive about it on the last <laughs> week.
1: I got to keep, right. my, gotta keep my, uh, my real estate, man.
2: It's not Dr. Strange. It's Nathan Strange. He's the director of Ocean Trade Lane Management at Flexport, and he's joining our multiverse of madness right now. Nathan, thanks for coming on the show.
4: Hey, thanks for having me on again.
2: You ever uh, clean puke out of a pool?
4: (laughs) Uh yes. Uh, what, <laughs> Did you get growing paid up? My family, uh, yeah, my family had it well—not well. My family <laughs> had a pool installation and servicing business, so oh, I spent right. many summers cleaning all kinds of things out of swimming pools. Hey, so I've seen
2: Ryan, um, your your CEO, uh, he's been posting this lion all over the place. I think he got an early access to like a Dali account or something. I I envy him greatly for that. But is that really the new logo for Flexport? Is it that logistics lion that that Ryan's been making on his app?
4: No, I I just think that Ryan found something that would turn his thoughts into pictures and just fully went with it. I mean, who wouldn't? I I thought it was great, Um, but... (laughs) Yeah, he loves technology, and anything that he thinks um, is a leap, uh, he's going to go for. So that that was a no-brainer for him.
2: Well, then it would make sense that Flexport is number one on CNBC's 2022 Disruptor 50 list. And first of all, congratulations to you, but also congratulations to the entire industry. One-fifth of the companies on this top 50 list were in logistics. You had other companies like Lineage Logistics, Convoy, Flock Freight, Cloud Trucks, GoPuff, Airspace, and Exotech, just to name a few. But Nathan, why do you think Flexport was number one this year?
4: Uh, hard work and dedication. Uh, it's our mission. Our mission is to disrupt. So if we're not number one, I mean, I'm not going to say we're doing something wrong, but we definitely need to lean into it harder. That's that's what we're here for. We're here to disrupt the industry. And that's the value I think that we also bring to our clients. And I think it's why you see so many in that list is with everything going on out there, with all the challenges that we're hearing on the ocean side, on the trucking side, warehousing. Um, if you're not disrupting, then I mean, what are you really doing out there? And that's that's what we're here for, and that's what we're going to keep doing.
1: Yeah, just say it, Nathan. If you ain't first, you're last, Ricky Bobby. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Absolutely, and we're not going to settle for second. Absolutely not.
1: <laughs> no,
2: Nathan, you took a you took a little trip, and I, and I thought it was cool because I saw you post this on Twitter. And we've been covering a lot of the smaller ports. We have port of Boston on. We have port of Cleveland. I saw you went over to port of Baltimore. I haven't had a chance to yep. get over there yet. You did, and I believe it was for this big Zim. Unveiling. They're like Port of Baltimore trying to get more aggressive with e-commerce. But you saw it firsthand. Tell us a little bit about why you went down there and what's going on.
4: Yeah, so we went down there for the launch of the new Z uh, Zim ZBX uh, Baltimore Express service, which is an e-commerce focused service from uh, Yantian to Baltimore. It also calls New York and Boston. Um, but if you're talking disruption, like this is a disruptive service. If you look at most of the East Coast services, you're not going to see anything like this. You're not going to see a um, at least advertised 30 day transit time from South China to the East Coast. You're not going to see a dedicated uh, e commerce service there where the containers come right off onto chassis are available same day. That's a disruption in the market. You know these these slower services that traditionally service the East Coast. This is going to come in there and, and definitely change the game and bring a lot of value to importers on the east coast and and that's really a trend that we saw this year right is that Mm -hmm. east coast services are picking up more direct services more e-commerce based ocean services which is something that flexport is starting to uh lean heavier into in those those fast ocean e-commerce but just driving onto the port when you get there you can see why they pick baltimore um. First of all, positioning right—it's—it's it's in the middle of the Atlantic seaboard. Mm-hmm. But you drive in, there's a big Amazon distribution center right there as you're coming into the port rail hub right there with 53s loaded um, from all your big players, but also Amazon 53s sitting there. And I—I I, I hate to keep saying Amazon over, but when you think about e-commerce, that's that's the disruptor in that industry, right? Yeah. And that's the leader. And if you start tying all this stuff together, it gives the the shippers, it gives the the ultimate consumer much more access to market, faster and more reliable service. And that's what everybody's looking for and is, and is something that we're really building on this year. And it's why, um, why we can disrupt an industry like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I've got a couple of of sonar charts here that we can we can bring up that kind of talks about this a little bit, Nathan. Because you talk about the shift to the east East Coast, and and uh, this first one that we have here, maritime shipments. This is Paul just just the port of Baltimore, and this is uh, imports, just all imports from all origins coming in. Here. You can see that growth over this year is unbelievable in that lineup. The nine fifty eight on this index and that's the imports that are coming in here. Now, so I got to ask you though. So Nate, yeah.
2: I was curious about this chart cuz I was looking at yeah. the port volumes at Port of Baltimore and they were talking about growth, but I think they're talking about category growth, right? They're talking about growing that e-commerce mm-hmm. type of freight that's going in there cuz I didn't actually see like their TEU volume. That's kind of been up and down over the years. It goes sure. between 500,000 and 700,000 TEUs per year right. it seemed at least the chart I was I was looking at. but is it e-commerce really what they want now? They really want to be this east coast conduit.
4: I think so. And, and and it started really at the local level, which is another thing that kind of struck me is how much um, of this is because of efforts of the Port of Baltimore and the state of Maryland bringing that in. And I know a lot of the, the talk right now is on what the federal government can do, but like bringing in that local leadership, because that's who your e-commerce consumers are, right? It's the local consumer. And Also, you know, e-commerce is the turnover on those products is so fast, right? So you want to get to market, you want to get online, you want to get shipped, you want that next day prime service. So if you can focus on that, especially if you already have the other infrastructure in place with an Amazon distribution facility and other distribution facilities in that area, you can really penetrate that market very quickly and start absorbing that, um, it, and, and that's really what I, I think the port leaned into, and I would believe that other ports are going to lean into that very quickly as they see this service take off.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and that and that chart was uh, shipments. It wasn't TEUs, so that's okay. why I picked the shipments there. Because sure. you're absolutely right that e-commerce could be a fraction or multiple TEUs. The next one you mentioned, you mentioned the rail. Look at these inbound rail forty containers. On this is this is against uh, Los Angeles, uh, which is in the blue. Baltimore is uh, in the orange there, and you've got uh, uh, Elizabeth and uh, Savannah in the green. You can just see this. Look at that hockey stick, just. Boom! With the uh, with the rail imports coming into Baltimore, and if you take that out of there, you can see that the East Coast is really kicking the West Coast butt as far as increases, right? As relative, but man, wow. Baltimore just throws it. So wait, what all was the,
2: what's the what was the catalyst here that that made this jettison up so high?
1: So you've got this, well, you got the new service that's coming here, yeah. but it's coming into that East Coast, and you've got those backups that started happening in Savannah and, and EWR, et cetera, gotcha. so you start looking for the lesser ports that come there. And you can see it even on the truckload, which is the next one that's right here. Now you move it over to the truckload, and this next chart right here, you can see, again, Baltimore in the orange up 39% with EWR up 40%, just kicking the West Coast's butt as far as those port cities with their truckload and rail uh, inbound. Unbelievable.
2: They're getting uh, they're getting aggressive over there, Nathan. Too Under Armour's putting look at this world headquarters that uh, Under Armour's putting right by the port as well. This thing looks uh, this thing looks massive. Is, is that going to cut into port space though, or, or no?
4: Um, I don't know exactly where that is. I know that port space is a is a hot topic, especially here on the West Coast. You see what's going on a bit open yeah. with the new baseball stadium. Um, but, you know, I it, I don't know. I assume that it, it, it kind of went on some open land, but that's impressive. Um, I would absolutely love an office with a football field in the middle of it. The yeah, yeah, only right? reason I, I bring it up <laughs> is because
2: it says that it's, a, it's at Port Covenant. And then, you I mean, you look at what's going on with Oakland mm-hmm. and like per, space at a premium, but they're giving that space to the A's at the port. So. Um, you know, that's an issue as well. But speaking of ports, I, you are closer to the West Coast ports. The big storyline last year. Um mm-hmm. I've Actually, I was reading someone on LinkedIn yesterday. I think it was Ian Weiland. He works in the Drage space, and he was complaining about how, even to this day, issues still persist at the port, even with China's shutdown and everything. What's going on on the West Coast right now?
4: Yeah, I think on the West Coast, um, we're still seeing, obviously, ships at anchor. Uh, there's still a backlog, there's still 30 plus ships off Los Angeles. And and even though that volumes are lower than they were last year, I think that the port came out yesterday and said it was still their second highest April ever. Um, mm-hmm. What we also tend to see, right, is unfortunately, if volumes do decrease, because volume pays the gates, you'll see gate closures. So we've seen that a couple of weeks where night gates, weekend gates were closed just because there wasn't enough um, volume coming in. So I think what Ian and and we know Ian pretty well. He's one of our uh, one of our great partners here on the West Coast. Is is that how do we sustain a level of service no matter what the volume is? Right. So the port is humming whether there's a lot of current containers coming in, there's not a lot of containers coming in, and and that you can get that kind of predictable level of service no matter no matter what day of the week it is or time of year it is. So, yeah, and, and- Ian's a great advocate for the trucking community, especially drayage here in LA.
1: Yeah, so with the ILWU talks right that are coming up here, and and their persistence in trying to keep automation and and technology out of there, is that a non-starter? Is that how are those talks going?
4: Um, I wish I could tell you. I wish I was in the room with them. I, yeah. I don't know. Uh, we're gonna have to see where it goes. I I know that both sides have concerns. I I don't think from what we are hearing that they're that far apart, though. I'm really hopeful that they'll come to a settlement and we'll kind of see where it is. Um, But, yeah, I I wish I was a fly on the wall for those.
0: Yeah, right.
2: Well, aside from those talks, what are you watching or what do you think that your partner should be watching in supply chain as this summer moves forward?
4: Yeah, I just think that, you know, I I feel like there's a lot of kind of trepidation and, and uncertainty when it comes to just the overall market. You know, where inflation went, you know, diesel prices on the East Coast, especially what's kind of driving consumer habits and, and where is the market going? Um, I think predicting inventories has become difficult for for a lot of businesses just because of buying habits. So what does peak season look like? That's what we're looking for. What do the bookings look like going into July and August? Um, what does contract implementation season now that everybody's going into their fixed rate contracts, How's how quickly do those ramp? Those are the kind of the things that I'm looking for on a, on a day-to-day basis. And then also just, again, the pressure on the West Coast. What are the other changes? What's the next service? What's the next Baltimore, if you will? Those are the things that I'm definitely keeping an eye on uh, continually. The innovators work. I mean, we had we had Port of Vancouver, USA on the show on our last
2: episode. Yeah. And uh, right afterwards, a bunch of people reached out to me. First of all, they told me, they're like, yeah, I used to go up to Portland. I used to use the Port of Portland. That's where we get all this wind energy from. Mm-hmm. And it's all moved to the Port of Vancouver, USA. So there's plenty of room for ports, especially smaller ports, to come out and say, you know what? We're going to specialize in e-commerce. We're going to specialize in energy. Right, and we're right, going right. to base our space around it and market it and sell it to importers that way. Yeah. So come on shows like this and invite guys like Nathan down to see you. Now, Nathan- then before we let you go going back in time a couple years it's prom day take any vehicle you want you have a key to any vehicle ever what are you taking to the prom
4: i'm a navy guy it's got to be a helicopter or an osprey or get out like oh, nice. i'm not driving in i'm flying in
2: it's pretty bad nice. Bring do, do one of those um do one the, of those like me? uh, medical ones right yeah with the the medical ones and you can bring the girl down on like the uh, the hospital bed and, and you come down to the hospital and it'll be like a huge uh, entrance
1: That would be a pretty massive entrance. That would be a massive entrance. Just think
2: about it. Now, Nathan, people want to follow you on Twitter because you're a good follower. Where should I I send them to?
4: At Navy Strang on Twitter. Um, Try and post on freight freight as much as I can, but uh, yeah.
1: All right. Thanks for coming on, sir. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. So, hey, what kind of a trucking company needs to be productive, safe, and profitable to stay in business, Dooner? Yours oh, does, my friend. That's really? why the folks who built trucking.com just rebranded to Motive. Go safe. Go productive. Go profitable. Go Motive.com. That's GoMotive.com. You mean to tell me that the shipper and other carriers and
2: other brokers might not care about my bottom line? They might not. They might not. They might not. History lesson, Michael Vincent. For over 35 <laughs> years, Fleetworthy Solutions has provided a single source of solutions to help monitor and manage DOT compliance while mitigating risk for private and for hire carriers. With advanced technologies and exceptional client services, Fleetworthy becomes an extension of your team to make your company go Beyond.
1: compliant. You know, if you do this, it gives it an extra added
5: dimension.
2: It really does. It really does. does. Let's play a little video here.
5: Boop. Topic one video. Throw it up. You normally only see stuff like this in like a bad 1980s, you know, rom-com. A kid goes to prom wearing jeans and he rolls up with this real nice Peterbilt and the principal denies him uh, going to the prom. And then if that wasn't bad enough, word leaks out on social media about the whole situation. And now a bunch of truck drivers are planning a convoy. Over to the high school, unless the uh, principal lets him go back to prom with his truck. Gotta love truck drivers getting together for another convoy.
2: <laughs> All right, that is Super Trucker Justin Martin's head, which has been watched over 700,000 times on TikTok with that one video alone. He's really blowing up on there. Go on TikTok, back the truck up, and you'll find uh, us and his head and some other content. Let's bring Rooster up and Super Trucker Justin Martin. Right now, Uh, how's it going, boys? And Justin, what's the latest? Because I understand there's like the Hatfields and the McCoys or the Reeds and the Smiths going on right now. I've been reading some of the comments. What is the latest update on the Lance Reed case? Uh,
5: Well, so far, it seems like the principal is finally... Unmute him, please. Uh Surrender, he's going
2: to come. We need to unmute Uh Super Trucker.
5: We need to
1: hear. <laughs> By you. the way, I'm the trying. agent for his forehead. I will sell that space to you just give me a call.
5: <laughs> How about now? Can you hear me now? Yes, now we there can tell is. us what's going up with the okay, uh, the yeah, Reeds yeah, and the Smiths. Yeah, so going around on Facebook, uh that's really where it took off. The family's kind of like gotten involved. They're saying it was more about the pants, not the truck. Um they got the pants situation taken care of. The principals kind of really been Put under a lot of pressure to come out and publicly apologize, he's agreed to. Um, I don't think it's going to just stop the trucks. You know, who knows how many are going to show up, but they're still pretty livid.
2: But do you think you think trucks are going to actually like show up and drive through town, honking the horns and stuff? Well, like, what are they going to? What is what in their head? What's the resolution here? Like, you have like a, a yeah. circle of semi trucks, and you get the principal in the middle, and he apologizes to Lance, like Reed. I'm just wondering what the end game would be.
5: That would make some for really good TV, but I think <laughs> with diesel prices right now, it might just be talk. <laughs> might just be talk. Yeah, well, speaking <laughs> about
2: spot rates and diesel fuel, Rooster has it, proof, but we got yet another. On, we got another TikTok to introduce it first. Play that one.
5: That soft little rumble you hear off in the distance is getting quieter and quieter over time. It's the sound of every single truck shutting off for the week because of uh, Blitz Week? Then you got the spot rates here. We're getting ready to squish Indiana Jones going downhill, and you got diesel being record high. I don't see how anyone stays in business this way. Yeah, it's rough. We're down <laughs> a dollar
2: three on those drive-in spot rates from the peak earlier this year. If you can show this chart, we're down 3 we We're down $0.37 cents from where they were a year ago at this time. So people, you've been using those seasonal comparisons. Get out the door. Tell us what's going on, Rooster. What's going on between the spread between this fuel and these spot rates? Uh,
0: it is only getting wider. I mean, the, well, I looked at the pad one inventories for – the report, and we're at down a million barrels from last week. I mean, we're not replenishing this the amount in the in the inventory. So as long as that inventory stays tight, the fuel stations have, you know, they got room to jack that price on up just uh, based on scarcity. And it's with the spot rates going further down. You know, like the like we were saying this morning on the on the channel. Uh, stop buying a cheap freight, guys. You know, stop hauling it. You know, we got to put a backstop on this some some way or another. The, the, yeah, this, yeah, you got to get the desperation. desperation but does this, this speed exit. up? This like is as things get worse,
2: is, as people get more desperate. Do you yeah. do you see this uh, deceleration of the spot market going even quicker, Rooster?
0: Uh, well, as they say, there's a sucker born every day. As long as the brokers know they can keep keep decreasing the spot rates so you know these guys still take
1: them well, yeah, yeah. absolutely but what can these guys do against the the diesel prices right they don't have fuel surcharges right uh, yeah i mean a lot of shippers
2: think it's uh, in the fuel though they go losing not that in your fsc it's uh, like yeah. no nah, it's not making up for the, the 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 blow that's going on right now where you're you're making less you're making $2 less per mile per shipment
1: yeah
0: well, if, well, fuel surcharge is calculation from the government. You know, it's yeah. not something that's negotiated per contract. So, and you know, there's always this delay between what the fuel price is and what the FSC gets calculated to. And, and sometimes it's enough, but right now they, that gap, that, what, four or five, almost $5 gap between rates and fuel, yeah. it's not making up for it.
2: No, it's only getting worse. And when you look in the northeast inventory northeast inventory is run over freight there. My gosh, that's brutal. I mean, we were talking last week. Remember, we're like at six dollars, it's basically it's like a dollar a mile to your operating cost. So you lose a dollar three in the spot market, you add you lose another dollar on your diesel per mile. But now it's escalating even faster when you're talking getting up to seven dollars and, and eight dollars. Who knows how high it'll get at this point? Makes me want to rage a little bit, but maybe not as much as this guy. Let's take a look at the next video. This is classic. Cruising now. It's a bright day. I mean, yeah, it's clear. It's clear as a bell. Day. You can see exactly what's going on. Ah, oh, there he goes though. Oh, oh. oh little he- high heat at the plate. Oh. Whoa! And then he just sh- then he just threw the head. Then he just threw the ball at his head. He was a little chin
1: music. Yeah.
2: That guy said what the f? He said it for me.
1: It didn't look like that car purposely did that, though. Did that
2: it? looked like an accident, and that looked like a bit of an overreaction by the truck <laughs> driver there. What, what's your breakdown? Super Truck, we'll start with you. What do what you see in there?
5: Yeah. The original video doesn't really have much more context to it. Some people were saying that the truck was slow to merge before the video started rolling. Mm. Um, but yeah, he definitely overreacted. Both, both of them really overreacted. I don't think the car was expecting that at all. Cause you can see like he's slowing down just kind of, he has to like collect himself. Like, Holy crap. Rooster, <laughs> you ever throw uh, you ever
0: throw high heat over the plate at someone's head? Never to that degree. You know, I might, you uh, might give a little shoulder check, uh, Almost crossing the line, but <laughs> never putting the whole truck over. And <laughs> especially yeah. not putting somebody into the wire.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, you, you can have road rage, but I think objectively, you just watch the video, uh, you know, the, look, truck, you you can really injure and kill someone, so, you know, don't don't go out. There. Yeah, yeah. And the car, the four-wheeler could, too. But it's not like that. if the four-wheeler hit him or something, maybe I could see a more aggressive act, but it was, you know, he didn't, it, it was whatever. What yeah. about another idiot? How yeah. about this one? Here's an accident that almost happened, and this would have been devastating. Let's check out this video. Oh yeah, this is a clear and day too. This guy's like, coming right so down the road. Oh, look, like, right see to this one. What a of... moron! Now here you go. So tell us a little stop bit. At all. So if people are thinking in sort of four wheelers, right, they may go, ah, oh, I mean, that looked close, but not that close. You guys are truck drivers. Tell me how close that was. Was that way too close for comfort, uh,
0: Rooster? Uh, one, you got about a half a dozen law violations right there, and I believe it's the 10-second mark of that video. You can. That, actually get a clear shot at the back of the tanker. It's hauling UN uh, eleven seventy, which is ethanol, which is you know kind of highly flammable under compression. <laughs> yeah, uh, if he rear end that truck, then been one hell of a fireball.
1: It would have so is this is he far enough away that he should have been braking? I mean who, if this this occurs, who's at fault here? Are they both or is this a failure to brake?
0: That's a tanker driver's fault. I mean yeah. he, well, he ran the stop sign. To your hazmat, you should be checking both ways several yeah. times at the stop, going through the turn, and th- th- this is just complete failure on that, uh, I believe it was Questliners was the company that the truck belonged to. That's that's their driver's fault right there. Next topic. That, that's definitely next topic.
2: Next topic. We're running low on time. Road check week is now. Let's take a look at the next video. Hello, officer. Where's the video? I don't know. I heard it.
1: I did, too. There, there
0: we the go. Hello, officer. Yeah, we're showing you're about 200 pounds over on your drive. Oh, yeah, that's because I got your old lady in the bunk. Oh! Oh! Oh, oh
2: no! Mm. Have you ever spoke to a police officer Great. or a DOT officer <laughs> like that, Super Trucker?
5: I have not. I had a co-driver. <laughs> we got pulled over in Texas one time at a uh, Border Patrol checkpoint, and the uh, officer rolls up to us on the truck. He asks us if we're American citizens, and my co-driver says, Are you? And we almost uh, went to jail that night. Oh, man, that'll
2: get you sent to the back of the soup line. Uh, Rooster here. Go (laughs) find Rooster at RoosterBTU on the Twitter. Find Justin Martin at SuperTrucker. Find me at Timothy Dune. That's D-O-O-N-E-R. Find him at Vince the Dude. Follow Back the Truck on the Twitter. Don't be a stranger and tell him how to be.
1: Hey, peace and love. Spread it everywhere.